the Shaq Master! Right. The Shaq Master! <laughs> I told you. Oh, God. You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. It's showtime. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to B3 Radio. I'm Richie Mulligan, joined by my co-host and best friend, Josh Brawley. Say hey, Josh. What's up, everybody? How's it going? We are on episode 13. And what better way, when you think 13, you think magic tricks, right? You think of black cats, and you think of Halloween. Bad luck. Bad luck. You think of all of those superstitious things, right? So what better way to celebrate episode 13 than to have a real-life magic man on the show? And I honestly think 13 doesn't mean bad in this case. No. I think 13 is really, really good this week. Well, this week, the Spellbinder, Fantasio, or Del Rios. We got him on the show. He was pretty much the first WWE developmental guy. I believe he was the first, not pretty much. I mean, he was. But he's a super cool guy, and I think everybody out there is going to really enjoy this interview this week. Stick around. We'll be right back right after these words from... Don't fit. I'm going to have to buy new clothes. Don't drive to the mall. Take a trip down to 51 South Creek Drive in Jackson. See Matt Hoover and the gang at Maximum Health and Fitness. They will not only whip you back into shape, they will keep you in the clothes that you already own. Well, what are my options? Do I have a way to just kind of dip my toe in? Mention this podcast and you will receive a free trial membership. Well, that's it. Enough is enough. I'm heading there right now. Maximum Health and Fitness. 51 South Creek Drive in Jackson. Hey, this is Jabari Greer, and you're listening to P3 Radio. Joining us right now on P3 Radio, we have none other than the Spellbinder, Fantasia. I know him as a great friend by the name of Del Rios. How's it going, my friend? Oh, everything's great, brother. Richard, you know, when it comes down to you, I do whatever you need, brother. You're a good friend of mine. I've been there, you know, since you started, and you've been nothing but a good friend to me. So, you know, I'm I'm here for you, brother. I was sitting here talking to Josh earlier, and I said, uh, you know, I was sitting here thinking about how when we first met, and I remember when I was in the ring for the first time training uh, on one of Kevin's shows. I hit the turnbuckle as hard as I could knocking the wind out of me, bruised my sternum. Uh, you you looked at me and you said, hey, hey, big man, take that buckle a little harder. <laughs> I wiped the snot yeah, off man. my nose and tried to do it. <laughs> Try to do it again. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you know, back back, uh, back then, man, it was all hardcore. You know what I mean? When you talked about hardcore, you know, when I came to Memphis, Jerry Lawler, uh, he had a meeting one time and, and, and he said that, if he ever seen anyone that did anything and it didn't look real, he'd get fired on the spot, you know? And then he said, especially on TV, Saturday morning live, where, you know, you can't edit, you can't take a time out. You can't say, Oh, let me do that again. You can't do anything. He says, we don't have time for that. If I ever see anything like that, you know, you're going to get your notice immediately. So it stuck with me because I said, wait a minute, I'm not going home because, you know, I'm going to make something look stupid or somebody's going to, you know, make me look stupid or anything like that. And most of all, you know, at that time, you know, the business was at a different level, man. I mean, you know, everything, everybody thought it was real. You know what I mean? I mean, and everybody, especially in the South, man, you know what I mean? I mean, you can go up, I mean, you can go up north you know, where WWE was actually WWF at the time. And, you know, it was more of an entertainment. It was more of a show. And then, you know, but you came down here and, you know, it was it was real, man. I mean, people wanted to fight you outside. You know, they, right. the, the heels were, 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 you know, were threatened. I remember one time Brian Christopher was a heel. And actually, I was a, I was a baby face at the time. And um, we were in Osceola, Arkansas. He came out. And he had a brand new... Uh, Chevy Trailblazer of the year, his whole side mirror was gone. Wow. 
<laughs> and somebody had just, you know, I think somebody took a bat to it is what happened. Wow. And, you know, I mean, back then it was real, man. You know what I mean? It was not, you know, it was, uh, you know they didn't want to hear nothing about a show or anything. Yeah, you always hear those stories about people getting guns pulled on them, about little old ladies and canes oh, and walking brother. sticks. I, let me tell you, this is a story I tell everybody because it's one of my favorites. And we were in Nashville, okay? Right. And it was me, me and Sid Vicious versus Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee in the main event. He started beating the crap out of uh, Bill Dundee. I started getting on people. Uh, they, the, the crowd was, that night was hot. They were real rowdy. Man, I don't know what happened in the middle of the match. We're getting heat. What do we, 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 we did a screw on them. The crowd hated it. Um, we went to get out of the ring, and the security barricade uh, just came down. Oh, wow. All right. Now, I came back in the ring because Sid grabbed me by the wrist and he says, don't leave the ring. Stay in the ring. Now there's no security. There's people all over the place cussing us, throwing stuff in the ring. And, uh, you know, I said, wow, you know, Jerry, uh, Jerry Lowell and Bill and Leah trying to calm them down or whatever. And I, I went back to the turnbuckle and I had my back on the turnbuckle because I figured, well, if anybody comes in the ring, I'll be facing them. The turnbuckle has my back. They just can't sneak up right behind me without me seeing them. And I got my, my feet back. Man, and I feel something thudding down on my foot. And I look down, and on my left foot, there's maybe, I don't know, she must have been like 88 years old, two teeth in her mouth, and she's pounding on my foot, cussing me like a dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I laughed. Because I looked at Sid, and Sid looked at me and just started cracking up. And, uh, you know, these people, I mean, these people, they thought it was real. I mean, they, they wanted to kill us. Well, did you give her a receipt or? No, 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 man. You know what I mean? At that point, you couldn't do anything like that either. You know what I mean? You know, the, Right. A couple of other men, man, in there, they took their shirts off. They took their T-shirts off ready to fight. Wow. You know, it was it was that bad, man. It was, yeah, it, that was that was pretty pretty hairy that night man uh, they had to call in uh, i guess man the whole police department because there was about 18 20 cops there wow yeah well, yeah you know, man it was it was crazy well you know we mentioned it before you know you've been around this area for quite a while so i know yeah. uh with that accent you can tell you're not from around here so uh what part of the north were you from i know you were from new york uh, but what part of new york yes i was born in brooklyn brooklyn brooklyn, brooklyn new york yes sir and uh, I was born and raised there. I started off as a bodybuilder, and I remember in the gym, I mean, I was growing and growing and growing, and I was walking around 6'3", about 240, 250. I was pretty, like I said, I was a pretty big guy. I would always come into the gym and start training. I started actually uh, being a personal trainer and training certain people because I had competed as a bodybuilder, and I had won several championships, and they uh, these local wrestlers, you know, they came to me and they said, man, you should be... You should be a wrestler, man. I was like, man, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to look like, you know, uh, Arnold. You know what I mean? I'm right. trying to be Mr. Olympia. And, uh, man, just for the heck of it, you know, I used to be a magician when I was younger. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, I had a really, really, really good friend of mine. His name was Jeff McBride. And uh, him and I used to hang out to 3, 4 in the morning practicing magic and stuff like that. And he came up with a mind routine where he uh, he painted his face white. And uh, and did magic with a mind face on, and I thought that's pretty cool. And then later on, when I was bodybuilding, and they, I kept, you know, I kept being, you know, approached by everybody as a joke, just just for my own, you know. I just I painted my face and I took some pictures, man. I just, you know, I had a friend of mine who uh, was a photographer. I said, hey man, let's let's uh, let's take a couple of shots, man. You know, I'll oil my body up, I'll pump up a little bit. I'll put this paint on, and, uh, you know, I just want a couple of shots just to see how what I'm looking like. I asked, I'll never forget, it, it was Julio Torres, who be, later became, you know, more of a popular uh, wrestler. Not, not, I don't think mainstream, I don't think he ever did. I think he did a couple of shots with ECW, but not, nothing really big. But I asked him, I said, man, if I wanted to send my pics or my, you know, a press kit or anything, who do I send it to? And he said, man, oh. Uh, you send it to Sergeant Slaughter, you know what I mean, at the Creative mm. Services. So I got a little uh, packet together and sent about three or four eight-by-tens. I remember sending them out on a Tuesday, man. Um, and a couple of days passed. On Friday, I got back from dinner, and I listened to my uh, my voicemails, and I had Sergeant Slaughter on the uh, 
on the uh, on, on, on one of the voicemails. He says, oh, hey, this is Sergeant Florida with World Wrestling Federation. You know, I'm interested in talking to Mr. Del Rio. So would he give me a call, such and such? And I was like, whoa. So I called him up, and he said, well, uh, we kind of want you to come on in and uh, do something with Doink the Clown. See, what they wanted to do, I found out later, was Doink, they were trying to get Doink over at the time, and they wanted me, this muscle-bound guy, to come in with my painted face and have him hit me with a pie in the face. <laughs> and, and, and and he kind of said that, and I kind of, you know, I was I was kind of markish at the time, man, to be honest with you, but I knew I didn't want to go on TV and get hit with a pie in the face. You know what I mean? Right. So I made up some nonsense and told him that I couldn't go or whatever. I, you know, I wasn't honest. I lied. At the end of the day, I was, I was training Charles Koppelman. Charles Koppelman was the owner at the time of EMI, EMI Records. His lawyer was one of Vince McMahon's lawyers. Oh, wow. And Right, so I'm training him, and I told him what I did, and he went, hey, well, do you want me to get a, a word into Vince? And I looked at him like, what? And he said, do you want me to get a word into Vince? And I said, well, sure. I mean, you know, if you can see. Well, the next day, uh, Linda McMahon, his wife, called me. Wow. Yes, and uh, she so, was like, hey, we watched, we looked at uh, your pictures. We love your look. We'd like to, uh, we're interested in talking to you. <laughs> now, here's the thing. My biggest problem? Well, I didn't know how to wrestle. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Did you have any training yet when you did all this? <laughs> nothing, man. Nothing at all. Nothing. And I just thought to myself, man. And then uh, Julio, I talked to Julio, and I said, hey, man. I said, uh, you know who called me yesterday? And he said, who? He said, Linda McMahon. He looked at me like I was lying. And I said, yeah, man, look. And then they had sent me a letter uh, through the mail. It was I remember it was like overnighted, and it had the WWF logo on it. So I went and got it. Because he thought I was lying. And when I opened it up, I took it out of a Manila envelope. He looked at me like, oh, my God. Like, you know, that's every local, whatever, international, you name it, from the floor up, that's their dream oh, is yeah. to go to the to the big time. You know what I mean? So here they are, like these eight guys, and they've been wrestling in the high schools and all that for years and years and years. And here's me. I come out of nowhere. And so Julio says, hey, you know, you've wrestled before, right? I said, no, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I was going to talk to you about it. Right. And he said, no, we go to Johnny Rod's School of Professional Wrestling in Brooklyn at Gleason's Gym. And I said, all right. So I, I, took, a, I took a drive out to Gleason's Gym and sat down and talked to Johnny Rod. And he said, well, yeah, no problem. I'll train you. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I charge two grand. I'm like, good Lord. Right. Two grand. I said, all right. I give him the two grand. Now I'm learning how to take a bump. You know what I mean? I'm right. learning how to take, do a headlock. Now, but guess what? So I'm in training a month. Now J.J. Uh, Dillon from WWE, who, who he took over for Sergeant Slaughter, J.J. Dillon says, hey, man, we're really interested in taking a look at you. And I said, okay. Yeah. In my mind, I think I can't say no to this because they, they're going to think uh, that I'm full of crap or that I'm no good. So I said, okay. You know what I mean? So I went over and I went to Julio Torres. By that time, now I'm real cool with none other than Vito Legrazzo, um, right. which is uh, Skullbound Crush, Big Vito. Right. He's a good brother. You know what I mean? I owe part of me being going to WWE, you know, to him because he was gracious enough to, you know, be a mentor to me and come and say, hey, oh, we got to do that because he got that, got word of it and got, got really, really ill about it because. I guess he wanted to be in control of all his students and all that stuff. You know right. what I mean? And and uh, you know he wasn't he wasn't with the whole situation. And I knew that. And I said, you know, I gave him money. Right. I'm not I'm not his pet. You know. Right. So Vito helped me through. So guys, believe it or not, this is the first time anybody is going to hear this because nobody knows this. But my first wrestling match in the history of my life is a tryout. On Monday Night Raw at the Manhattan Center on 34th Street. Wow. Oh my God! You know, right? Exactly. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Now, here's the thing, though. I knew what I, I was going to live on. I, I knew what I was. I was. Gonna, I knew I was going to be okay because here I am. I'm. I'm the spellbinder. I came up with the character. I came up with the face. I came up with the effects, the magic, the whole right. suit, the the tails and the top hat and all that craziness. I knew that. So I knew. Whoa, he, they, people, I'm going to catch the people as soon as I come out. That boom, it would explode. The cane would explode into uh, fireworks and smoke. So I knew the people were like, oh. Then I came up with the mask where I took the stuff and stuff out of my mouth. So I do, and then boom, just 
just a la Bret Hart and his sunglasses, I was going to get out of the ring and give it to a kid, which I was already over. Right. I got over, you know what I mean? But the bell rang, you know what I mean? The bell rang and I got to wrestle. <laughs> My first match was with, believe it or not, Iron, Iron Mike Sharp. I don't know if you guys remember yeah, him. I remember Iron Mike Sharp, yeah. Like a notorious was, OCD guy or something, right? Right, yeah. right, exactly. And and, and uh, OCD guy, and uh, he was like, he had his own school, and WWF would call him anytime they were in, in town and use him and whatever students he had. He knew they were looking at me, so he wanted to work with me. Man, thank God that uh, I kept my mouth shut. I let him say whatever he wanted to do. He was the heel, so he wanted to, you know, call the match. And he was letting me do easy stuff. He never asked me, could I do this, could I do that? You know, it was. Uh, I did magic, boom. Uh, we locked up. I pushed him off because I was a big, you know, uh, muscle-bound guy, bang. I gorilla pressed him, which that wasn't easy. He weighed close to 300 pounds, you know. Um and then I did a, oh man, I, 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 well, at that time I did like a chicken wing DDT variation or whatever. Right. And a boom. And, you know, I got, it, it, I got over pretty well. When I got to back to the gorilla, JJ, I, I remember walking it, but walking back and, and he goes, Dell, that was good. And I was like, God, Lord, okay, thank God. <laughs> I remember sitting back going, good God. You know, what I want you to think about is here I am basically kind of a mark. I'm coming up with this character. Now I'll come in the dressing room, and here's Shawn Michaels, Mr. Perfect, Yokozuna. Wow. I mean, these are, you know what I mean? I'm sitting there going, holy crap. You know what I mean? I mean, this is incredible. Look who, look, look who's all, you know, all around right. me. Lord Alfred Hayes. You know what I mean? Guys like that, man, that I, I'm watching on TV every Saturday. One of the agents comes to me, and he goes, hey, Dell," And I said, yes, sir. He says, uh, man, don't go anywhere. Vince wants to talk to you when, when we're done. And I said, wow. I said, okay. <laughs> so, you know, Vince came over to me. He goes, hey, brother, you look great. He says, here's the deal. He goes, I'm going to have JJ call you uh, here in the next day or two, and we'll figure something out. You know what I mean? And I said, okay. So JJ calls me, and he goes, Dale, your look is great. You look fantastic. You know what I mean? The character is unbelievable. He goes, but we need you to get some more experience. You know what I mean? I mean, they could obviously tell I was green as all get out. You know what I mean? And uh, they said, here's what we can do. We've been working with Jerry Lawler in Memphis, and uh, what we can do is we can put you on the contract, subsidize you, and have you go to Memphis, you know, and live there. You know, learn the business. You would have to leave and go live in Memphis, you know what I mean? So I don't know if you want to leave your job. you want to think about it? And I said, no, I don't want to think about it. Now, honestly, guys, I was making close to 100 grand already as a personal trainer. Wow, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I took a hit there, but I thought to myself, no, I think I can, you know, if I can learn the business real good with my character, with all the other stuff, you know, I I think I just, so that's how I I ended up in Memphis. And I was the first developmental contract ever in the history of of WWE. If you you don't mind me asking, how much was that contract worth? Like, what was the guarantee on that? If, well, I know there wasn't a guarantee back then, but what was No, it? there wasn't a guarantee. What was the... Well, you, you, um, it, it was like, uh, let's see. I was, they were giving me, at that time, it was 1994, and they were giving me 800 a week. It, it was what they call a, a developmental contract. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a booking contract or an actual performing contract. It was a, a developmental contract, which gave me, you know, it was $3,200 a month which wasn't a bad situation for me because um, I was getting paid by USWA as well. Wow, that was, that was going to be my next question. Was you was you making anything from USWA or was it all absolutely. WWE? Or? No, absolutely. I was, doing, I was getting two checks. I did, was getting a USWA and I was getting a WWE check. Now, did any of the boys know that? and Did they get any heat if they did? Uh, uh, the boys knew that I was under contract with WWE and – I didn't get any heat because of that. I got heat because I was a bodybuilder from New York. Right. And, and to be totally honest with you, as a matter of fact, um, the first thing that came out um, or that I heard was uh, Bill Dundee told a few guys, oh, man, that guy, he's just a bodybuilder from New York. He'll be here a month or two and he'll be gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then um, – I had hooked up with Jeff Gaylord at the time, which was a, he's a, he was a really 
cool, cool guy. Oh yeah, we remember you him. You know. Then I went and hooked up with uh, Jamie Dundee and Mike Anthony up in Nashville for mm-hmm. a while. Sometimes, a lot of times in USWA, the boys weren't getting paid good money at all. They were just they were hoping for an opportunity, so they would live however they could. But you know, thank, thanks to WWE subsidizing me, man, I was able to rent the car and help the boys out. You know what I mean? You know, as far as as far as gas, they wouldn't. I didn't. I would. I would say no, no. I got the gas because I knew they weren't making a lot of money. Right. You know what I mean? Especially the guys I was rolling with. It was um, it was me, Mike Anthony, Jamie Dundee, and um, Wolfie. Kelly Wolf, Wolfie yeah. D. Oh, yeah. It was us four all the time. You know, I knew. I, I mean, you know, I would see them counting. They would get a draw. You know what I mean? Because they would, they would, they would, they would wow. get an advance every every right. show, and yeah, there yeah. was a few bucks. You know what I mean? And I wow. thought to myself, man, they don't need. You know, let them use their money to eat. I got the gas and the rental car, so we're right. good. So I, they're going with me everywhere. Early yeah. on, uh, Burt Prentice was your manager in Memphis. Do you got any good Burt Prentice stories? <laughs> you know he did work one day uh they did the story about me getting shot in new york i don't know if you guys remember that yeah yeah we were just talking about because that, he actually. was pretty yeah he was pretty emotional about it you know you know what i mean i he, remember he was him pretty emotional he was on tv like before you became spellbinder or something he was i know you're cautious yeah, about the scar the scar he, he kept emphasizing the scar how, right. how did that, was, how did that uh, yeah. happen? Well, man, um, um, right before I started competing as a bodybuilder, I was actually a uh, a bodyguard for a drug dealer in New York. Wow. And uh, I was I was making good money, man. You know, I mean, I was walking around with this guy and making a couple grand a week just to go eat, train, and hang around him. And um, he got into some, he got into some, some, uh, some issues with some other drug dealers, you know what I mean? Uh, I wasn't aware that was going on at all. And I remember walking into a middle of a situation where, you know, gunshots were going on both sides, man, and I got caught. Dang, wow. You know, it, it almost cost me my life. That was obviously the end of that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's one of the things that catapulted me into going into uh bodybuilding full-time and becoming a personal trainer and you know by way of that that's how i i I become a pro wrestler when you were wrestling in wwe as fantasia uh was that a little bit after your memphis time did they bring you back and give you that match or how did how did they do that i know you had a tv match as fantasia and we you know i've watched it a bunch of times and for what it was it was really entertaining so if it was towards the beginning of your career and and you know as well as I do, uh, some yeah. people kind of kind of crap on that gimmick, and I'm like, why? You know, that gimmick was just as believable, if not more, or better than some of the other stupid stuff that they were doing. At oh the time. yeah, man. I mean, and it you was know good. what? I, let me tell you something. And 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 and, and, and I, I agree with you. It was very good. It was so good, it got me in trouble. I did that first match. First of all, WWE has about it has to be close to fifty, sixty. TV tapings in a in the in a can somewhere with Fantasio. Oh wow! You know I wrestled a bunch of guys. Yeah, I wrestled. A... Here's what happened, brother. I was too green to realize it. I had that match. I'll never forget it. it that match was actually a wrestling challenge or something like that, mm-hmm. and it was um, it was in um, Wilkes Barre, Pennsylvania, and um, the. The TV tape or whatever doesn't show that, but everybody had wrestled already. Everybody. I mean, Savio Vega. I mean, Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, everybody had wrestled. They saved me for the last match. And um, that crowd was better than Kelsey's nuts. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was just – and, and I remember uh, Mabel, rest in peace, Mabel coming up to me, uh, Mo and Mabel coming up and going, hey, man, just do 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 your thing, man. You know they they're exhausted from watching all these matches, man. They've watched like twenty five matches because right. they were they were taping three shows over and over and over again, yeah. over and over again, exactly. Yeah. So I went, yeah, I'm cool. And I remember I was wrestling Tony DeVito, and Tony said, man, just don't worry about that. You know they're tired. There's nothing they can do. They've they've seen everything twice. And I said, <laughs> yeah, okay, no good. 
Well, think about it was, guys. They seen everything twice, but they had never seen me. Right. So when they saw me, boom, they come alive. I'm doing the magic, boom, 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 and they're 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 they're, they're like, whoa, all right, something different. Right. You know what I mean? Boom, and then you know, boom, I, I did a couple of spots with Vito, and boom, I I shot the uh, the, oh wow, boom, boom, we did the match, blah blah blah. I took the underwears off. You right. know what I mean? I said, and now they're on their feet, screaming for me. You know what I mean? Well, guess what, man? I'm walking to the back, and Savio Vega. I'll never forget it. Came over to me and he said, "Man, that gimmick is gonna have you on top." And I just felt like a million dollars. British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith came to me about ten minutes later and he went, "Hey, Mike." And I said, "Yeah, man." He goes, "Mike, bro." He says, "You might be too good." And I, I looked at him like, "What?" And he just like, 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 like opened his eyes really, like, really big and rolled them. Like, I didn't understand what he was saying, but but I did notice, here's the thing, I did notice that after that match, guys like Tatanka and Mark Merrow stopped talking to me. They weren't friendly to me no more. Shawn Michaels was the biggest jack you've ever met. Totally, like, not cool with me at all. Well, that would have been you around I mean? the time where he wasn't cool with a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's right. No, a lot, he had his click. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, see, guys, that was my thing too, man. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't gonna be that way, man. I wasn't gonna be clicky. I was gonna be cool with everybody and be nice and stuff. Um, later on, I found out, you, you know, Richard, I, I, I told you that I would never, ever not do anything for you. You know how many <laughs> right, wrestling right. shows these YouTube guys, or uh, you, you see Sid and all these guys, Jamie Dundee, all these guys. You know what I mean? They'll get. A certain amount of money to sit down and tell stories and shoot out people. Mm -hmm. I've turned all those things down, man. I, I don't. I, I'm not interested. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not going to. But here's the thing: I was doing the USWA, I was doing WWE, but I was also taking a lot of independent bookings. I'm in. Um, I was in Baltimore doing an independent show there, and there was Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, there was Tatanka was there, and. Um, at that time, he wasn't the Godfather. He was the gimmick before that. Uh, um, Shango. Kama Shango, the... right? He was doing the Kama like... gimmick. Okay. He was doing the Kama gimmick. Tatanka came and told me, "He goes, man, you're doing all right." Acting like nothing ever happened, man. <laughs> nothing like you know. First, you were talking to me. Everything was cool. Then uh, you saw me work and show what I did, and then you didn't speak to me. You had an attitude when you walked by. Your face would get. We we ran into each other in the gym one time. You know, he wouldn't say nothing. He turned his face and walked off. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, what's wrong with this dude? You know what I mean? But it didn't hit me that he felt threatened or whatever, you know. But anyway, he comes up to me. Hey, bro, what's up, man? I looked at him. I was like, hey, man, what's going on? Whatever. We started talking. And I said, man, what happened to you? Because he got his release, you know. He got his, he yeah. goes, man, he goes, oh, you know, up there, bro. Up there is all political, man. You know what I mean? If you ain't rolling with folks and this and that. I said, yeah. I said, I said, I don't, I don't even care, man. As long as I get a check every week, you know, I mean, think about it, guys. I can't ever say nothing bad about WWE I, and I will not, you know wow. why? Because no matter what, every Tuesday I got a check from them from years and years and years and years. I kept getting a check. I didn't even have to, if, even if I would show up to TV or I didn't have to go to TV or whatever, as long as I did Memphis, I got a I got a check from them. You know what I mean? And I think Jerry had a lot to do with that as well. He was like, man, leave him alone. Let him pay him, do whatever. The other reason was they didn't want me to go to WCW. <laughs> there was a lot See of people I mean? that benefited from that. Like, I know uh, they signed Macho Man's brother in WCW to a big contract, and he never wrestled one match for him. Now, one match. And, and I'll get back to that. But see what happened. Let me tell you what Tatanka says to me. He goes, hey, man. I didn't want to get involved at that time, man. You know, and I was telling him, man, I don't even care anymore. He goes, man, that's spellbinding gimmick, man. That thing right there, that's money. This is, I said, man, I, you know, they, they, a lot of people said they're not using you the way they should, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I said, I don't care, bro. I said, you know, I'm doing my thing, whatever. He said, man, I'm going to tell you something, man. I, I don't believe anybody's ever told you. And I said, what's up? And he said, man, he goes, and you, you, you know, you, you could say I said because I don't care. He said, but I'd rather you not, you know. I said, no, man, what's up? All right, I did the Fantasio. I was coming back. People were on their feet. I was coming back. He says, you were coming in from, from out, the, out the ring. As you were coming in, 
Undertaker ran over to Vince and said, what the F is that going on? Vince uh, said, well, come up here, let's talk, whatever. Apparently, Undertaker had a fit when I went out and did that character and uh, thought that uh, he, he uh, Tatanka said that he was furious. He said he was furious and he said that me, me and him shouldn't be doing the same type of character or, you know, that type of magic or anything like that, dude. And, and uh, you know, at that time he was on top, man. You know right. what I mean? So, you know, um, they weren't going to get rid of me. You know what I mean? They weren't going to fire me and they weren't, you know. So JJ calls me and he goes, hey, Del, here's what we're going to do, man. We're going to have you doing house shows and then we're going to be sending you back to Memphis. So you'll be doing house shows in Memphis, house shows in Memphis. And I didn't care. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, you know what I mean? That's fine. I didn't, it didn't compute in my head what was going on. You know, it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't compute that I was being kind of blackballed by the, by the higher talent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And you're into a point where it's like, even back then in WWE, it was a very independent contractor type thing. And if you've got somebody that's younger, that's coming in and you think it might even look like close to your gimmick, you get defensive. So and you were just really time. young and you were just really young at the time. Couldn't see the fact that, that you were probably no, like just smiling and waving and shaking hands. And there's these guys going, Oh, who is this guy? Right. Exactly. And then, then they saw me work and they saw right. they, I guess they saw the potential of what I could have done because, hey, you know, I had all kinds of ideas, man. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I would have all kinds of ideas uh, that I was working with. I was working with Brett Daniels, a uh, professional illusionist that was going to have me do an, uh, float down from, like, levitating all the way from the ceiling. Oh, this is what killed them. This is what killed them. They didn't show it on TV. What killed the uh, Undertaker was they turned off all the lights. <laughs> and a spotlight, a spotlight appeared right in front of the ramp, and woof, a puff of smoke came, and there I was. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that killed me. <laughs> that, I, I kind of see his, these? I see his gripe now a little bit. <laughs> right, but see, I appeared in a puff of smoke. Right, you know what I mean. That was at the Kiel Center in St. Louis. I wrestled Rad Radford. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I, uh, and, and I had the people. Louis, Louis Capoli, Capoli. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That day, I had on um, I had a white t- uh, I had a black tails on my outfit, top hat. Mm-hmm. I had white gloves. Spotlight, poof, puff of smoke. There's spellbinder. People are like, oh my god, boom boom. Now the camera's on me, right? I remove my gloves, fold the gloves in half, toss them in the air. They turn into a white dove. So I had the guys in the back, like Lex Luger and um, Brit- British Bulldog and all these other guys, freaking out. They just enjoyed watching me do magic that's not getting over with these other guys (laughs) (laughs) right well you know that was something i always wondered because you know it makes sense now hearing it the way you're telling it why that gimmick didn't take off like it should because that's right down Vince's alley yeah you know but that's exactly what happened that's why fantasio or spellbinder or whatever you want to call them wasn't probably the biggest thing because undertaker felt he had to be the biggest thing he paid his dues you know, uh, but listen, the only reason Papa Shango lasted as long as he did was because he was Undertaker's best friend. They was part That's of that the BSK. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Were you around for the end of USWA or were you working somewhere else? Like at that no, point? no, I was there. I was there at the end. When, when you, at the end of the USWA was when Jerry Lawler sold it to Mark Seltzer from Ohio. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? And Mark Seltzer wasn't a wrestling. You know, he didn't know nothing. I remember you know I mean? back wasn't. in the day, they had uh, James Beard. Like, it used to be the ref from Texas. He was hosting right. the show at the very end. I, I didn't know how if he was tangled up in that. Here's what happened, man. This Mark Seltzer guy was a millionaire from Ohio. Somehow, Jerry Lawler, got, he had gotten hooked up with this guy named Larry Burton. He got Jerry Lawler to sell USWA to Mark Seltzer. And uh, Mark Seltzer didn't know nothing about wrestling. He didn't know nothing about the wrestling business. So who was going to promote it? He didn't know. So James Beard jumped all over it and came to Memphis thinking that he might be able to take over the territory. I remember one time Jerry Lawler calling me one night, one midnight on a Friday and says, Hey, Dale. And I said, yeah. He said, man, uh, there might be a blowout tomorrow at TV. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, uh, well, you know, we're having a little situation going on because Mark Seltzer wants to take over the TV, and I haven't really given him 
authority of everything yet. And I, you know, and I said, all right. He goes, so there might be, you know, a little something. You know, what are you going to do? I said, what do you mean? What am I going to do? You know what I mean? I just, you know, I, I don't know anything about that. I said, but I got your back. I mean, you know, if if you know, you and Brian are my friends. So right. at the end of the day. Jerry Waller got paid a lot of money for the company. Mark Seltzer is the owner, and he's still the owner of USW of USWA, which is defunct. Right, and wasn't there another organization at the time that they had turned into Memphis Championship Wrestling, and it was running off of like UPN or something like that? And that they, was KAW. Well, they turned KAW into Memphis Memphis Championship Wrestling. Right, and I was there for that too. Now, oh, right. uh, KAW was actually Terry Terry Golden's Terry company. Golden. Mm-hmm. Right, Terry Golden. Believe it or not, I was the one who started him in the business. He was just a a, a a good guy, friend of mine. You know what I mean? He was trying to be a wrestler. You know what I mean? And then next thing I know, he starts a wrestling company. <laughs> I think he still works here in Jackson or something. Yeah, he does. He owns businesses there. Yeah, but he, but he's originally a Memphis a Memphis guy. You know what I mean? But yeah, he st- he started KAW, and then he was having that at a club at a club here in, in Memphis. Now, did I know they turned it into MCW? I mean, because of the name. I, I'm apparently. the one who hooked, I'm, a, I'm the one who hooked that up. I'm gonna tell you what happened. I'll never forget it. We were wrestling at the Pyramid that night, and Jerry Lawler came over to me. No, yes, I remember talking to Terry, and I never wrestled on KAW. Okay, but Jerry was talking to me, and 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 I had we had quit Power Pro wrestling because randy hills was being a jack so i said man I'm, I'm out you know randy's an idiot blah 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 and and, and jerry lola and randy had gotten into it too so we ran it jerry and i ran into each other in the pyramid and i said hey terry called me man he said he was he, he he would like to know if there's any way he could book you on a show no matter how much it costs and and then and then i went and and, and i said king you want to know something man I think we can do something on that show just to go heads up with, with, with Randy. And he goes, yeah, well, I'm not going, to, I'm not getting on no show that's called KAW. Right. And that's, we know what that's good right, for. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, nah, man, don't worry about him. I mean, we can change the name to that. And he looked at me, he goes, well, if we can do something like that. I wouldn't have a problem talking to him. Well, that night we finished the show. It was midnight. I called Terry and I said, Hey, Look, man, I can get King to talk to you and to maybe do something, but he said he ain't doing nothing that's called KAW, you know, kick, whatever, wrestling. Oh, man, I'm not worried about that, blah, blah. Well, next thing you know, they're talking, this and that. Jerry, Jerry tells him, well, listen, man, if you're serious about doing this and we change the name, I'll turn you into a developmental. Next thing you know, here comes Mean Street Posse and, uh, Steve Bradley and all Brian those other Danielson, guys. Brian Danielson, the American Brian Dragon. Da- Spanky. Spanky. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Shooter Schultz. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Regal was there for a while, too. They brought Bradley over. Yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. Which, um, he, he came over. Which and, you um, worked with him a little that, bit, didn't you, Bradley? Uh, Steve Bradley. I worked with him. Yeah, I worked yeah. with him a lot. Yeah, was we did he, a whole angle. He always has this whole thing about being probably one of the 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 most talented guys that never got his shot. Would you agree with that? Yes, and that's because of the way he was out of the ring. You know what I mean? He, the way he was out of the ring. You know, Steve Bradley, rest in peace, was a drug addict, man. Yeah, so he had those demons and in he, and out. Yeah, real demons, man. And people knew about it. And he was Kurt Russell's best friend. Mm. Kurt uh, Angle, not Kurt Russell, Kurt Angle. I was going to ask, how did he know Kurt Russell? <laughs> yeah. Man, I remember Kurt asking for Steve Bradley uh, 50 times. Right. Well, when are y'all going to bring him up? When are y'all going to bring him up? And they would just nod their head. Well, we're just waiting for talent to come up or something. No, nah, that's not what it was, man. Yeah. When y'all were in Power Pro, who came up with that funeral angle where, you know, you and Brian came out, you know, you were talking about Tommy and Doug. You came out with the beer cooler and the vacuum. Hey, if you look at the, if you, you know what, you, you, and I don't mean to cut you off. If you look at that tape again and you see Brian starting to talk, you'll see me in the back trying to hold back from exploding laughing. <laughs> I mean, I'm holding my mouth clenched shut and I'm closing my eyes and looking down because Brian starts telling Dave Brown, Dave, Doug Gilbert is dead. <laughs> I mean, dead. You know what I mean? And it was just hilarious. You know what I mean? Brian was shooting because Doug 
who I, I love Doug to death. But Doug thought he was better than he really was, man. You know what I mean? Doug was not Eddie Gilbert. I'm sorry. You know what there's I mean? A lot and of Doug, that's not and, Eddie Gilbert. I mean, that's there's that's not a that's not a downgrade or anything. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that's not as good as Eddie Gilbert was. Exactly so, like right. You're, like you're Nowhere saying, that's, near it. that's not a cut down at all. I mean, Eddie no, was one of a kind. No. Exactly. You know, but Doug wanted to follow in his footsteps, and it just wasn't happening. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. If Doug hears this, he's going to get offended. <laughs> you know, but that's okay because I, 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 I'm sorry. I knew Eddie very well, and I knew Doug very well, and I worked with Eddie, and I worked with Doug. So I'm gonna tell you. You know, they, they, it's apples. It's not apples and oranges. It's 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 not no gray area. It's black and white, brother. You know what I mean? Right. Eddie was just in a different level. But um, Brian thought of that angle with the limousine and us in the in, in, in the suits and the black and white um, with the urn, you know what I mean? Like we had his ashes in the urn or something, <laughs> you know. Um, I think well, I think he no, <laughs> it wasn't an urn. It was a coffee pot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a coffee pot. Yeah, it was a coffee pot, and I had like a vacuum cleaner because I, you know, I had picked. Apparently, I had uh, like sucked up the rest of the ashes from wherever. It was just hilarious. But guess what? Believe it or not, we did it. We did that angle, and I did that angle where I played Tommy Tommy Rich, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 Brian played Doug Gilbert. And believe it or not, Doug and uh, and, and uh, Doug and Tommy got angry for real. Yeah, that was going to be on our list to ask you about. Well, that. that that was the next question. Did the angle get you real heat? Oh, I'm gonna tell you right now. Peggy and Tommy sued us. Oh my wow. god! I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah. He sued Brian Christopher. He dropped me. They dropped me out of the the lawsuit. Apparently, originally they sued me, TV Five, Brian Christopher, Randy Hales, and uh, they dropped me from the lawsuit. I guess because Doug, I, Doug, I think Doug, it came in defense of me and said, "Hey, man, you know." They wouldn't have done that. They made him do it, or they told him he he needed to do it, blah, blah, blah. But then they kept Brian, and then eventually they dropped Brian, and then they lost on uh, TV5 and Randy Hales. Well, but they, 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 uh, they filed the lawsuit. Well, Power Pro had pretty much packed up by the time that lawsuit went through, right? Because it wasn't too long after well, that no, promo, that, right? No, no, it was about a year later, man, okay. about eight months later. Yeah, no, they have enough time. But, you know, it takes time, man. It takes months and months oh, yeah. and months. You know what I mean? By the time they they, they, uh, they did away with it, yeah, Power Pro was done with it. What was y'all's you thoughts? I mean? What was y'all's thoughts in the back when y'all heard the uh, the rebuttal to that when Tommy and Doug cut that promo where they were kind of burying Lawler, kind of burying Randy Hales, uh, saying Randy Yeah, and then he said crack. something yeah, about – there weren't no kind yeah, right. of <laughs> – Well, yeah, uh, well uh, you know – Doug came in there and shot. Oh yeah, and, and it was and saying the truth because Doug came in there uh, saying stuff that he knew that had actually had happened. You know what I mean? Now let me tell you what happened. You know, a lot of people don't know this. That day that they did the rebuttal, if you remember correctly, Brian and I were in the ring doing something, and here comes Tommy and. Uh, and Doug and start, you know, start beating the crap out of us. We're bumping around for him, blah, 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 because that set up the main event at the Blue Daisy that night. You remember? Right, right. Yeah, we, we were working that night. They were saying, you know, tonight, you know, uh and Brian Christopher versus uh, Tommy and, and, and Doug Gilbert, blah, blah, blah. All right, well, Doug went in there with the intentions because he was, you know, quite, quite honestly, that you're a mark, you know what I mean, for acting like that. You know, you, you take that seriously, really. Um, so he went in there and, and he said, um, you know, Jerry Lola, you know, does stuff with little kids, little girls or whatever. And he said, Randy, it's crack and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Dave Brown. That's probably the best anyway segue ever. It's like, Lawler does right. kids. He does crack. And he anyway. does crack. It's a, now, D- Dave Brown, they go to commercial. Doug's leaving. Dave Brown's running after him and telling him get the you know uses the uh, uses a bad word. Yeah, says, get yeah. over here. And he said, "Don't you ever you know I mean blah blah blah." He's screaming at the top of his lungs. I never heard Dave Brown scream like that in in their outfit with his bat in his hand with everything. They all they jump into in, in Doug's uh, truck and they leave. They had no intentions of making it that night to the main event. 
as they're leaving, who's driving up furious as all get out? Who, he happened to see that live on TV, Gary Lola. Ooh. He he gets out of his truck and he and he goes where the you know yeah. where bleep bleep is Doug, and one of the guys said, "Man, he left. He went in there. He went in the office. He went and got the tape. He went and got the master tape, and they gave it to him, and he left. You know, I I I I I didn't know at the end what he was going to do with it. What if he was going to try and sue Doug? Or I don't know what what was going on with that, but." That night it was a that day it was a mess of TV, and then we ended up that night at the Blue Daisy. We had a really really nice crowd with no main event. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we ended up having a, me and Brian had to wrestle like Ali. I'm, uh, so, I'm sorry. Two, <laughs> yeah, two two goofs, man. That you know really didn't mean nothing. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And that really didn't mean nothing. And, where, you know, you got to try and get them over, and they, nobody cared about them. We ended up being the baby faces. They were right. happy enough for us to beat the living daylights out of them. Well, you, you, you know, know then, watching that interview back, when they cut that interview and they bring up Lawler, who's at, who's basically the main baby face of the territory at the time, and they bring up him in the angle, and they bring up uh, Randy Hills, who I don't think they were using Randy as like the evil boss right then. But they bring up two guys. It pretty much, for me as a kid watching it at home, I'm not a kid, but a teenager, a high yeah. teenager, like 16, yeah. 17 years old, it yeah. made me think, well, they just turned them heel. Like, and, and then you do you guys do your thing, and it's funny, and it gets over with guys that are younger. Like, me and Josh, we yeah. thought it was hilarious. We loved it. We were like, these yeah. guys are our new favorite Memphis wrestlers. Exactly. No matter what they do from here on out. So it's kind of like y'all did like a double turn. Uh, was there any thought about yeah. pushing y'all guys, you and Brian, as baby, like a baby tag team after that? Uh, um, yeah. Um, what was it? I'm not sure if it was. Um, man, I, I, I'll be totally honest with you, man. I don't know. Maybe it was before, or maybe after, later on. But Brian and I did turn babyface, where I started using the uh, face paint again. You know what I mean? I think. Right. I think what happened was Brian. Brian went back to WWE, and I kept doing Power Pro, and I turned back into the Spellbinders with with the outfit and stuff. And then something had happened where I needed a partner, and I brought Brian back in. Now we were baby faces again. Right. I think that's what happened. You know what I mean? But um, you know, at that point, guys, Brian and I had been on Memphis TV so long that. Um, even as heels, we were baby faces. People right. enjoyed us. They didn't care. Man, I remember um, doing um, doing a show um, at, in Fourth of July at the Star Spangled event with Dave Brown and Lance Russell and all those guys. And I was a major heel, man. I was, I was, and I, I mean, I get on the people as hard as I possibly could, man. And 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 they were still cheering for me to, and it was, I. I I did. Hey, man. I don't. Do you, I don't know if you remember, Josh. Uh, uh, I did a. I did a thing with Doug Basham one time, where he had to pin me twice. And if he didn't, if 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 he pinned me twice, I'd have to leave USWA. Yeah, I remember that. And remember that. And um, I. Um, I was a. I was a major heel, man. I was a major heel at the time, but they were. They were. They were trying to push him as a baby face. But believe it or not, man, I had too many heel fans, man. You know yeah. what I mean? And I mean, was, they were cheering me. You know what was, I mean? And that's that what happened. That was the time when uh, the heels were starting to be the baby faces. You know, the sh the switch was coming in that that, right. that year. People, it was just cooler to be a heel. Right. And then I'm going to tell you, the heels were getting heat with Jerry Lola. Major. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they were cheering us to beat them half to death. Wow. Well, you know, not and, too and long after that. King turned heel here in Memphis. Exactly. Well, and it, it, because he saw, he he saw. He goes, well, it don't, it don't. Uh, it, I got to do something. He got tired of being booed. You know what I mean? He got tired of, of of winning the match. He dropped the strap, and they were like, oh, whatever. You know what I mean? You know, they, they wanted to put. Oh man, even even on Brian, man, I, I, it was. I, I didn't know how to. That to tell you the truth, guys, I, it was hard for me to work. Because I would try, I mean, I'd even get on the mic and single somebody out and get all over them. 
You know what I mean? They right. still, you know, people would still get with me. I'm like, God. So I go back, and I, a couple of times I remember going back thinking, God, I'm going to get a cousin right. from King. You know what I mean? What's wrong with y'all? Listen, I come back, and I wave my hands like, I'm sorry I tried. But he wouldn't say nothing. He knew. <laughs> he knew I was trying to do whatever I could to get heat, but he knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, one time it was me and Sid Vicious against him and Brian. It was Christmas Day at the Mid-South Coliseum, and the place was jam-packed. They did a spot in the beginning of the match, and, the, the, uh, you know, King had Sid chokeslam him, and Sid chokeslammed him. Brother, the people come unglued, cheering. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then so we, uh, we had the match, whatever. Anyway, we're in the back, and that was when I first... He said, well, let me ask you a question. Who's the blah, blah, blah? Who, who's the baby face in the match? You know what I mean? And I just looked at Sid and looked at him like, ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> because there was no there was no heel. Right. They were cheering us, you know what I mean? And, and that didn't sit well with King. And I just went, man, I mean, what do you want us to do? You know right. what I mean? I don't, you could only do so much cheating. Right. Pull your tights, you know, rake your eyes and do whatever, pull your hair up. And the people are cheering that. Yeah, and it, I don't it, we can do. Yeah, and it was that time of year. There was that time yeah. in the era where that was all cool. They wanted to see about the only thing that you could have done was to give one of those rock and roll express double fist moves, and then they would have probably cheered you for being ironic. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Hey, and I'm going to tell you right now, man. I was a major heel at one point where Sid Vicious was the unified champion. I was Sid Vicious. Fitz's partner, and I was his roadblock. In other words, if you wanted a title right. shot, you had to beat me. See, I, and of I, course, I, was, yeah. I love that because I, I remember when he challenged whoever to come out, you know, from the back and and fight him one on one or whoever, and the eliminators came out, and then oh yeah, he drew yeah. him in. You attacked him from the back. I I love that angle. Even back then, the eliminators they were phenomenal to watch. And, yeah, they were you know. awesome. Yeah, you know what I mean. They were great, and and uh, Perry and uh, and George were both uh, you know really good guys, and they were great to work with. And uh, and the reason was because there was no more uh, baby faces to work. Right. The Eliminators were heels at the time. Right. <laughs> you know That's what, what I, mean? I thought was so cool about it. You know. Right. Right. And then because Sid and I were talking, and he goes, "Man, you know, Del, we got nobody to work, man." There's nobody here. There's nobody big enough. Now here's two monster, monster heels, and uh, you know we got guys that are baby faces. That but they were, you know, it, it was like we did all we could with everybody, and they didn't have no talent coming in. Uh, you know, I guess it's because they weren't paying people, and people couldn't come in. So remember one t one day we were talking, and and Sid goes, "What do you think we, you know, we do something with the eliminators?" So we went over to King, and King said, yeah. He goes, you just go out there and call out whoever it is you want to. And the and the Eliminators are are uh, over enough as heels that when they come out, people are going to go, whoa, heck yeah. But guess what? Once once we worked them at the Mid-South Coliseum, they they didn't get over as as baby faces. Right. That was, the, that was the end of them. And, and the you funny thing I mean? is, it's like y'all were the heels, and was there ever a thought, once again, was there ever a thought since they're cheering you guys just to flip it and turn you baby and let you just keep doing what you're doing, but feed you more well, heels? Sid, uh, believe it or not, dude, and, and Sid all of a sudden wanted to be a baby face. So Sid had me turn on him. Uh, that was that was crazy back then, but yeah, I, I got used to seeing you by his side, being the kind of the body or not bodyguard, but you know what I mean, like the, the roadblock. Yeah, the, the I was second. the roadblock. Yeah, right. Because uh, Ricky Morton came in, and I had a semi main against him. Moment I beat him. Uh, Sir Mo came in. I had a, I beat him. A uh, bunch of guys from uh, WWE came in, and I had a semi main against them. Because, you know, people thought, oh, man, if that guy beats Spellbinder, they got him the next week. He's got Sid the next week. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's roadblock. If they beat me, you get a title that's Sid. So we had a really, really good angle going there. You know what I mean? And every week they'd have me at Ben South Coliseum working a WWE guy. You know what I mean? So you got you would have two WWE guys coming in 
every Monday night. One for me and one for Sid because Jerry Lawler was on the road. Right. Razor Ramon came in one night, then uh, King Kong Bundy yeah. come in. Uh, just a, a bunch of WWE guys. I don't remember The Undertaker came in one night. You know what I mean? Um mm. And uh, he was about to beat Sid Vicious, and I came in and got some crazy heat on The Undertaker. So when um, you say crazy heat, was it a receipt from the uh, WWE? <laughs> um, you know, um, How close is this to your gimmick? <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I remember nailed him, but i tell you what I did do. I don't know if I did it subconscious, subconsciously bad or whatever, but I killed his choke clamp. He was supposed to choke slam me, and I didn't go up for it. <laughs> so it looked garbage. It looked terrible. Just you know like what I mean? Pushed it's you down just, by your throat. Yeah, it looked like he just swept my foot. You know what I mean? Like, and I fell. <laughs> well, yeah, I tell you what, that, that. that brings us into our next topic. Uh, you know, we always ask all the guys that we have on here what what is one of the best ribs that you have seen or heard of from the guys on the road, or or just witnessed from being on the road. Do you remember a guy named Brockus? Yes. Brockus is coming. Yes. Brockus. His name was Akum. His name was Akum Albrecht from Germany. He was a pro bodybuilder. Now I'm going to tell you something, guys. And I'm not trying to be rude and disrespectful here or gross, but this guy had the worst gas anybody could ever let out. <laughs> and I will never forget this, man. We were in Owensboro, Kentucky, and Occam had to wrestle King. So I remember driving to Owensboro, Kentucky. I said, hey, when we get to the dressing room, let me know when you got some gas. Let me know when you feel, you know, when you feel like you got to have gas. And I, he said, why? I said, because. I said, we're going to go by King. We're going to let him have it. You know what I mean? <laughs> the crop dust and the he King. Said, He's, exactly. So he said, yeah. He said, okay. You know, in his German accent. And I said, uh, ah, cool. Anyway, so Owensboro, Kentucky, in the in that arena, there's like different. There was different dressing rooms, but they were big. So you'd have five or six guys getting 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 ready in one one of them. They had like three three of them. So Billy Joe Travis, God rest his soul, he knew he was in on the rib. He told me, hey, now you let me know. When Hockham does it, man, because I got to get out of there or I'll, th I'll throw up everywhere. <laughs> and somebody's going to owe me my guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, okay. So he, I'll never forget it. King's in the actual room by himself. I see uh, Hockham walking by the hallway. And he goes, hey, Dale. And I said, yeah, man. He goes, I feel one coming. <laughs> and I said, all right. Said, Come on. So I went over to King. I said, hey, King, so you're working, you're, you're working, you're working Occam? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, we got it. He goes, you guys go over the match, here comes Occam. And, dude, he had already let it go, but it was, like, entangled on him. So I, <laughs> I left the room, dude. I left the room. And I left the room, and it, they were in there, like, a few minutes. <laughs> Occam walks out, and I'm watching Occam walk out. And Arthur walks out, and right behind him is Jerry Lawler opening the door of the dressing room, trying to get some air in there. Listen, man, my hand, my hand to God, King calls me and he goes, "Down." And I said, "What?" I said, "I walk in." There. I said, "What's up, man?" He goes, "Don't let that." I cussed him like a dog. He says, "Don't let that get in here again." And I said, "What happened?" He's spraying his un. He had a whole can of underarm spray, and he he emptied it out in the room, dude. That's uh, how horrible it was, man. And that's the thing. Better. I, no, it no. makes it worse. And then King said, "I got the worst headache. I got the worst headache. <laughs> I got the worst headache I've ever had in my life." Oh, I'm hysterical, man. like laughing, man. You know what I mean? Not get out. And then, but I'm gonna tell you right now, if King listens to this. He'll realize it was a rib because that's how good that rib was. I never told anybody. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna you let you mean? in on something, Dale. We're not that popular. He's never gonna hear this. <laughs> Here's something we ask everybody when we have him on, and we're gonna ask you the same thing. You've got a guy yeah. that's coming up in the business. He he hasn't even had any training yet. He comes to you and says, "What's some advice you can give me about the wrestling business? What would you tell that guy if he asked you that?" All right. First things first. Keep your mouth closed and listen to all the all the experienced guys and and listen to even listen to the unexperienced guys because they're all going to tell their story. The worst thing you can do is come in as a greenhorn and start running your mouth. 
That's the worst thing you can do. First of all, that's heat in the that's heat in the uh, in the dressing room. Second of all, you run your mouth, you'll be doing the job for everybody every day and every night. Uh, trust me. Just just you'll be doing the job right before you get fired or you never booked ever again. Or you get embarrassed in the ring. I'm going to tell you something. A quick story. Paul Diamond. Um, you know he was in the territory, and there was this young kid who had, believe it or not, came in from California. And he was a nice kid because I ran into him in the gym a few times. He was about 20 years old. Short, short though. He was about five nine. Nice body. He had like a minute. He looked like a miniature Ultimate Warrior. All right, just like a miniature Ultimate Warrior, just like him. And the reason he looked like a miniature Ultimate Warrior was because guess what? He had all he had graduated from Warrior University. He had went over to Arizona <laughs> and spent Ultimate Warrior and gave him like five grand to I don't know because Warrior didn't know how to work. Promos. Yeah, and run and run and run around the ring. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the kid comes in. Okay, he has a match, an opening match with Paul Diamond. Jerry Lawler was, had booked the town, and I'm sitting there. And, uh, man, Paul's telling him, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Let's, let's go ahead and do this, and let's go ahead and do that. The kid, I don't know how, he just smarts off to, to Paul Diamond. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at it. And the kid goes, well, wait a minute. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. Blah, blah. Now you're talking to Paul Diamond, who's been in the, sh in, in, in the business 20 years. <laughs> right. And had worked with WWF for 15 years. Right. On the road, you know what I mean? You know, Max Moon, the Orient Express. Kato. Yeah, yeah. Kato. Right, all that crazy stuff. And I went, so he goes, well, wait a minute. Is that that makes sense? Wouldn't it be better if we did this and that? <laughs> I remember I was sitting down and Paul Diamond was looking at him standing up. And he turns around and looks at me while I'm sitting down looking. He goes, and looks at the guy and goes, okay, that's fine. He walks off. The kid's looking at me like, you know, huh? You see, I just told off. Well, I just let him know. And I just put my head down and went, all right, you're going to learn now. <laughs> Brother, that match, that bell rang. And Paul started working him, started working him, started working him, and blew him up in about two minutes. <laughs> they were supposed to go eight. Two minutes. This kid is like on his knees, on his back. And Paul Diamond just steps back, and he claps his hand twice hard, blah, blah. He said, do something. I mean, he's shooting on the kid now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Finally, man, he's just, I mean, the kid's just exhausted, man. Can't even lift his arms up. Paul Diamond just rolls him up, one, two, three, and then it just gets it out of the ring. You know what I mean? The kid, it was over with. You know what I mean? Um, wow. I remember the kid, I seen the kid Saturday morning, the next day at TV, and he goes, well, I think I'm going to be a bodybuilder again. Uh, I don't think the wrestling business for me. And I said, no, he's not. I don't think it is either. You know, so, you know, that was the end of him. But that was just <laughs> my, 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 my example of letting you know, hey, keep your mouth shut, especially if you're new right. in the business. You know what I mean? We've been on the phone with you for about two hours. Some of this probably won't make it. Some of it will. We try to condense it down into an hour. But man, right. I want to say I want to say thanks. Thanks for being on the phone with sure, us buddy. this long and talking to us. Uh, it really means a lot, man. Uh, anything you want to say before we go? Hey, brother. It's been a lovely ride uh, working as a spellbinder. Um, I tell you what, I started in '94. And I finally retired in like 2012, 2013. Um, one of the biggest things that still has me, you know, at a at a at a good a good place in my life is that to this day people still want me to come out and work and work and wrestle and I get calls every day, and that that makes me feel good. That makes me feel like I did something. Uh, I did something special, you know what I mean? Uh, I, 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 I lived, I lived the dream because I wanted to be the, I wanted to be a, the, one of the only live comic book heroes. You know what I mean? That's right. why I work so hard on my body and, uh, you know, uh, 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 my face and my character and everything, because I wanted to bring the perfect, perfect character. And, and, and to me, I, 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 you know, I accomplished that, you know what I mean? 
And, uh, hey, I got a legacy no matter what. You know what I mean? There was action figures made of me. I'm in the encyclopedia of WWE. You know, 100 years from now, you know, people will still remember, you know, or still not remember, but they'll, they'll look up and go, wow, there was a guy named, like, Fantasio, the spelled He did a character with magic, this and that, and that's something no one could ever take away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, the people that were involved with me, you know what I mean? You know, I I say thanks to them and the guys like Jerry Lola, Brian Christopher, who mentored me, that uh, that you know that were friendly and I, you know, and the people that did that 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 were jealous. You know what I mean? Thank you too, because all you did was inspire me and make me stronger to uh, to do well. You know what I mean? And and I wish uh, Richard, I wish you and Josh a lot of luck with this iPod. And you know, I I, I can see big things coming out of it. You know what I mean? Because you know, you guys are good. What you're doing right now, and you know, you're just really, really young doing it, and you know, I can see, I can see where it, where it can go. Well, the sound of that music means we've reached the end of P3 Radio episode 13. It has been a good one this week, but we gotta go. Yep, we gotta go. But we'd like to thank Del Rios, the Spellbinder, for being a part of this week's episode. We couldn't thank you enough. Thanks, Del, for being a part of P3 Radio. And people, if you want to check us out on YouTube, you can go there, type in P3 Radio, and you're bound to find us. Or you can go to Facebook, type in Pop Poncho, we're on there too. Twitter, P3 Radio 1, and you will find us. Or you can go and text us, call us, send us an email, whatever, at our number 731-300-6675. That's 731-300-6675. For Josh Brody, this is Richard Mulligan telling you thanks for listening to P3 Radio. And good night.